Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. This is episode 94 of the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, we are rapidly approaching 100 episodes here on the pod. Dave Gasper, Matt Carroll here with you, as always, the editors at reviewingthebrew.com. Matt, can you believe we're getting this close to 100 episodes on the pod here? It feels like just yesterday we were I know. starting this anew. And here we are almost 100 episodes later and so much to talk about. So many friends made, so many friends of the podcast. And one of them is back on the pod again, Greg Young, the broadcaster for the Carolina Mudcats back on the pod. Greg, how you doing, man? It's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you guys. Congrats on almost 100. I'll make sure to look out for number 100 and send a shout out on social when you get there. Thank you, man. We I appreciate it. That's a yeah. It's gonna be a gonna be a fun time. I'm excited to to finally get there, and I'm excited to talk to you about this Carolina Mudcats roster because they've got to be the most exciting team in the Brewers farm system, um, and perhaps in the in the minor leagues in general. I mean, they they got to be up there. So many fun players on this team, and so much success. You know, I believe we're coming up towards the end of the first half of the schedule and yes. the Carolina Mudcats are in first place. We are. Yeah. The, the Mudcats are uh, one game up. Uh, there are four teams. One was eliminated last night, but four teams still in the mix. So just looking at it today, uh, the team's going to be playing next in Kinston against the Downey's Wood Ducks. That was a team that was just eliminated last night with a loss. Uh, but uh, the Mudcats have won four straight. They'll have a chance of playing Kinston where they played well this year, which is a little bit weird. Usually, that's a place where they have struggled in years past. So they finally have the, uh, the Wood Ducks somewhat figured out this season, which is good. Um, and then uh, you still have the uh, Fredericksburg, Salem, and uh, uh, Lynchburg still in the mix. So, um, you know, with the way the tiebreakers are working out, and, you know, just a one-game lead on two of those teams and a two-game lead on one of those teams, it's going to come down to uh, head-to-head. And unfortunately – both Fredericksburg and Lynchburg have the edge there. So if it comes down to a tie in that sense, the Mudcats might be on the outside looking in. Um, they will not play Salem and have not played Salem to this point yet this season. So it's a little little funky how the schedule laid out. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, that that is outside of their control. Uh, it is not within their, uh, their destiny, if you will. But if they win out, then it's all good. And they'll be able to punch a playoff spot for the first time since 2008. So it's been a been a long, long drought. And as far as I can tell, it's the longest drought in minor league baseball that's active right now, as far as the Mudcats making the playoffs. Awesome. Um, with this year's team, uh, really different than last year's, you have a lot of these um, international guys that the Brewers have signed who are making their you know, kind of affiliated ball debut. I think before we started, David had said it was 24 of the 28 roster spots. Is that correct? Um, we have 26 active guys right now. But yeah, if you include Alvarez Ferrer and uh, Loon Zhao, who are not on the active roster at the moment, then yeah, 24 of 28 would be right. 22, I think, of 26 active players right now uh, from either Venezuela, Dominic, the Dominican Republic, uh, Mexico, um, and Nicaragua. And, uh, and then it, if you include Zhao, then you're looking at uh, the only Beijing-born player, the only player born in China to make it to, to, to the low-A level, which is a pretty cool story. Yeah, and, and really cool to see, you know, these players who are getting their first taste of, um, again, of, of affiliated ball. What's, what's it been kind of like uh, different from last year in that sense uh, that you've seen with this team? Um, well, on, on it's kind of the – diving in deep a little bit, you know, a little less attention, um, which is kind of sad to think about, but in the sense that we had a lot of college players last year, guys who were drafted out of college. Right. So with that, you get all those various media markets in the country that reach out for interviews or on social media or about sharing the success of their guys. For example, this weekend, since we only have a handful of players who actually played collegiately in the States, um, Brandon Jordan was playing in Columbia, South Carolina. He went to South Carolina. So he was a Gamecock and hugely popular down there. Right. So media requests, interviews, all those kinds of things specifically for Brandon Jordan. But then under the radar are the other players who come from outside the States. They don't get the same recognition. I guess they don't have that baked in fan base, if that makes sense. So it's been a, a very different in that regard. Um, I know that's kind of like a little thing, but when you're thinking about social media, it, it, it's kind of a big thing too. Um, but that's also, you know, one of the things that's great about having those players from those various countries is 
they're also very popular there, right? So in Venezuela, in the circles and social media in that sense, Jackson Chorio's extremely popular, right? And so is Hedbert Perez, and, and rightfully so with his father, as popular as he is, and, uh, you know, a Hall of Famer, most likely in, in Venezuelan baseball um, and in their country. But uh, that, I think, is is one of the big differences that I've noticed is that um, some of these guys are under the radar more so than they would normally be coming in. Um, I think it's made it a little bit harder to pinpoint coming into the season who our fans should be dialed into immediately to start. You know, it's easy to look at a roster and say, oh, this guy was a first round pick that went to the Louisville, you know, or wherever it might've been. That's the guy that, you know, if I'm a dad bringing kids to the game, that's the guy to look out for, right? Or this kid went to NC state, this kid went to North Carolina. This is a Dukey. You know, we had Ethan Murray last year who was hugely popular with us because he went to Duke and, you know, it's, it's obviously very close to research triangle to us. Um, But uh, so a little bit different in that sense, that, that hype, if you will, for fans who don't really, follow it as intently as you guys do, or some Brewers fans might, or just baseball fans across the country, the Baseball America readers and that kind of thing. A little bit different to for that hype machine to get going early on and for it to continue going on during the season. But um, as things have gone on and as our roster has not changed, we have pretty much the same players we've had since day one. I think now we're beginning to see our fans really dial in and get an idea that, oh, Jefferson Caro is a catcher that I need to watch because this guy is phenomenal defensively and he's got crazy bad speed you can see just seeing him play that he is going to mash balls when he does make contact so um it, it, it's it's building it's just a little bit of a slower burn i think but now i think as we're about halfway through and this team has won a lot especially at home we're beginning to see fans really really dial in so um as far as interacting with the guys really no different than years past um you know a lot of our players actually despite the, the higher number of international born players um, a lot of them went to school in the States. You know, I'm thinking of Carlos Rodriguez specifically. He went to a junior, uh, junior college in, in, in Southern Florida. Uh, so he's, he's been great to talk to. Alexander Corniel spent a lot of time in the States. He's from the Dominican. He's got family in the States in Florida and New York. So as far as guys to speak to and be able to interact with maybe a player that doesn't speak as English as well as some others, there are a lot of players on this team that, that do speak great English. And it's been easy to interact with the guys in that sense. I mean, I interviewed Jackson Chorio with the help of Hedbert Perez, which was a lot of fun. It was great to get to know him a little bit. So uh, in that sense, not hugely different. Every year, I think you run into that a little bit where, you know, you, you need to maybe get some help to talk to some guys and, and uh, that, that don't speak great English or have never even been, you know, educated in that sense at all or taught to speak English at all. Um, so that, that part hasn't been hugely different. It's just a few more players than, than normal, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned a – a lot of those, uh, you know, names and, you know, getting these guys, you know, the hype machine going and how it wasn't really there for some guys. Well, they're building uh, some hype machines and none have built any bigger than Jackson Churio over uh, the last what month and a half uh, yeah. since he's come up. I mean, it has been absolutely insane. Over 40 games this year, he's got 15 doubles, four triples, seven homers, six stolen bases. He's hitting 356. An OPS over a thousand. He leads the entire Carolina League in batting average, slugging, slugging, and OPS. And he's tied for fourth in the league in doubles. And he arrived a month after those seasons started. So yeah, it's, it's it's the doubles number that gets me every time because and, and that was immediate. You know, he was mm-hmm. he was up to I think ten within the first few weeks of him playing, which already put him in the top ten of the league. And like you mentioned, he joined the team in May, so he missed an entire month basically. And he's already, you know, at the top of the leaderboard in those numbers that I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just every time <laughs> I think of the doubles, just to start, it just, it blows me away that everything that he hits is just squared up and mashed. I mean, this, I mean, he is, he is fun. He is oh, fun to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. He, his box scores are just fun to watch on their own, but yeah. What, like you have seen him play every single one of these games. What's it been like? watching Jackson Churio for these past 40 some games. Uh, it's electric. I mean, everything that he does, there is, there is just an extra level added to what you might see from his teammates. Right. So it's just talking about Jefferson Carroll and his ability, like his bat speed, his hand speed is just remarkable. I mean, you watch him and you, you just know that this guy, he's going to hit a ball far, you know, when he makes contact, but then you, Jackson Churio is right there. I mean, it's it's the same it's the same type of hand speed, but it's the bat control in the zone is just at that next level already. He doesn't swing and miss very often. 
Um, you know, I mean, it's it's really the only time that he misses is when he's badly fooled on a pitch or just wasn't looking for it, right? But, I mean, as far as being able to get to a ball at any point in the zone, I mean, he's got incredible back control. There aren't any holes, really. You look at, you know, the heat maps and that kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, he's he's got the power on par with anybody on the team. He's got the hand speed at the plate on par with anybody on the team. He's got the speed to hang with anybody that's that's out there right now. And it's not just the Mudcats. I mean, it's the league in general. I mean, the, the, the power is just off the charts. It's just the plate discipline is off the charts. Just, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. It, it really is fun. And uh, he's a great kid too. He's, he's very humble. Um, he's fun. You know, I mean, I guess you would, would expect that for a guy that just turned 18 in March, uh, that he'd be a little bit goofy and, and just want to, you know, always be smiling and having a good time. But in um, talking to him, and, and like I mentioned, it, it just through translations with, uh, with Edbert Perez translating for me, um, you know, he's, he's just, he, he, he just wants to go out and play, you know, that that's really what it is. And, um, that part, I guess, has been kind of new this season too. And that these guys are, they're doing this for the first time. This isn't, you know, you got four years, like I mentioned, maybe eight, or three years at a college or four years in high school or whatever it might be. This is got in the pro ball at a very young age. This is what I do. This is the, the business that I'm in and just go out there and just do what I can. And, and for him, it's, it just comes so easy. It, it seems like, and even in the times where things have begun to dip for him a little bit, like you mentioned, the averages at the, the 360 range. Now it was down to like 350, I think uh, earlier in the series against really? Columbia. Yeah, exactly. And like, that was, that was a slump. I mean, that that's where he's been this season is that it's, it's that, that, that slight tick down is still 340, 350. And then all of a sudden it's back up again to that 360 range. I mean, it's, it's remarkable, man. I mean, he, he, uh, like I said, that the power is, is, is legit and it's not just, you know, pull side power, you know, for some guys, especially at the younger age, it's where you see a lot of the home runs goes to the pull side. You see a lot of guys, you know, really hug the line you know, for right-handed hitter down the left field line for him, everything looks like it's, it's middle away. You know I mean? It's that inside out kind of cut sometimes, but most of the home runs that he hit early were to the opposite field. And, and honestly, he has missed probably two or three at home that on a better weather day where it wasn't muggy and cold and, and whatever it might've been easily home runs in any other ballpark in our, in our league. And on top of that, he's had a couple that might've hit high off of the 25 foot walls that we have at five County stadium. So, um, you know, I, I joke sometimes that you can get five County that our ballpark where a ball actually stays in because the, the park itself just isn't conducive always to, to good hitters. He's been five counted a couple of times where he should have had home runs. It just happened to be the ballpark kept him, kept him in. So, I mean, it's the numbers, even in that sense could be better, you know, but um, I mean, he, he is, he's fun. He's exciting. Um, and he honestly just seems like the greatest kid, you know, just out there, just to, just to enjoy it, show off what he can do. You know, he said is, is that the number one thing that he wanted to do this season was just show the fans that he's going to give them their best every day that he goes out there. You know, he said that the Brewers really didn't say like, you're going to go to Carolina and you're going to do this. And then you're going to, this is going to happen. It was just Carolina's the next step. Have fun. And I mean, he's, he's blowing everybody away right now. And he's doing it at 18. Like, like that's mm-hmm. the thing that like is, is the craziest part about all of this. He is the youngest player in the league yeah. by several months. The only player born in again, like, Let's all prepare ourselves for feeling oh, old. The only player born in 2004 Ugh. in the league. I, I try not to think about that in all honesty <laughs> because I, I graduated college in 2005. So, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I yeah. try not to think about it, but I, I encounter that a lot with these guys. Honestly, I'm getting to a range probably where I'm as old as his parents, you know, and thinking yeah. about it. So that's, that's and something. He's, that, and he's know. putting up these numbers at this age. Like, that's the most insane part to me. Like, like I know this team is is young overall, but I mean, this kid comes in just having barely turned 18 and is putting up these numbers like that. Like that's the most impressive part about all this to me. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I was mentioning before we got going here, you know, this is a very young group, but there's also this sense of maturity to them that I wasn't expecting. Honestly, I, I think coming in, knowing that they were going to be young, that it was going to be, oh, we'll, we'll have, you know, a bunch of 18, 19 year olds. It's probably going to be an up and down year because of that, you know, right. They're getting used to the long season. They're getting used to battling with the the ups and downs of just, you know, success and then maybe not having as much success, but these guys, I mean, 
I mean, Hedra Perez, for example, is 19 going on 25 with the way that he approaches the game. And then for good reason, he's, he comes from a baseball family, right? So that makes sense. Um, Jefferson Carroll, I mean, just purely about just the business. And I mean, it's just going back there, going full throttle at all moments behind the play. I mean, it's 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 really fun to watch how he handles catching. It's really incredible. Um, but then Chorio, too. You know, Chorio is, like I said, he's fun. He, he can, He's always laughing. He's always smiling. But there's also, he knows that he's good, right? Like he understands what he can be. And I think he knows that he needs to make sure that he's always in the right spot at the right time to do, you know, good things, right? Like don't let anything distract you just straight to the point. Um, I mean, it, it's a very, very mature group. They're, they're young, um, very young. The position players are, I, I don't think there's a team that's in the league that even compares to us age-wise in that sense. For the position guys, our, our pitching staff is a, a tick older than some. So we're not the youngest team in the league, but we're very close. Um, but, um, you know, Chorio, like you mentioned, youngest player, I think in affiliated baseball right now. I mean, outside of the complex league in the Dominican summer league, he's the youngest guy going. And uh, that it, it, it's remarkable. And, and that it hasn't slowed down and that he's gotten better is, I mean, honestly, it's 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 really quite amazing. One more point on Churio. I know um, it, it's easy to kind of forget now when he was signed, there was the thought that he would possibly be a shortstop. Now mm-hmm. he's playing center field. And when you look at the mm-hmm. Brewers, an organization like the Brewers um, outfield, obviously is a big point of depth. And now you just add to that with Churio. So as fans are starting to think to the possible future outfield of the Brewers, has he looked good and natural at that position since he's um, kind of been out there? He has. He has. Um, I, I've been impressed with his range. You know, he, he seems to take pretty good routes. Um, I, I do think there's a little bit of a learning curve that is yet to maybe hit him in that sense for that side of baseball. Um, you know, I, I think everything that he does at the plate is is remarkable. I think that, you know, as far as his ability to cover ground and center, especially at our ballpark, because center field is really big um, and it's difficult to play with a high wall. You get a lot of balls that come back quickly on top of you. Um, I think he's still learning how to deal with all of that. Um, I haven't seen him throw a lot. You know, there haven't been a whole lot of times where you've seen him throw to, to test his arm. I mean, we, we saw Joey Weimer last year, obviously. And, and he, I mean, his Canada, the way that he throws baseballs is, I mean, is as impressive as his power is. I mean, come on. I mean, his, his defensive ability out there and, and throwing guys out, is just, you know, I mean, that that's big league ready right there. But, um, you know, I, I, so I can't really speak to the Jackson in that sense, as far as, you know, what he can do, um, you know, outfield assists and throwing and that kind of thing. But as far as covering ground and he's only played in center with us. So, you know, he's, he's getting the, the work that he needs to, he's getting it in right now and he's getting some good quality, uh, good quality games out there and, and chances to, to really show what he can do. He has played it second a little bit, but I don't think he's played it shortstop since the Brewers signed him. But I remember reading the same thing, you know, that everyone else saw that he signed as a shortstop, but I think outfield is where he's going to be. He says his favorite position is shortstop, so maybe everyone says, you know, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Um, um, you know, it was weird in talking to him. And I'm sorry, I'm just going on the tangent. I was asking him, just trying to get an idea more about like how he models his game and the way he kind of goes about, you know, who he tries to emulate. And I had asked him, you know, who his favorite player was growing up, and he, he really he said he just he, he didn't really have one. You know, he said that his dad is his dad got him into the game. He he his dad taught him how to play. You know, he he really loves his just trying to be like his dad. And um, I, I'll be honest, I didn't ask if his dad played professionally or not. It's probably a question for another day, but uh, just to follow up. But I was surprised. You know, I asked Hedbert Perez outside of your dad, you know, who was your favorite player? And he said Ken, Ken Griffey Jr., which was a little surprising to me because I thought, you know, that's um, maybe not his era, but uh, that makes sense. You know, um, I mean, who doesn't love Ken Griffey Jr., right? Yeah. And that swing um, but, is, uh, I mean, that's he's got the smooth kind of swing like Ken Griffey Jr. does too. I, I hadn't thought about that. I was thinking, you know, the way that he covers ground, Perez, um, mostly in left field with us now that Chorio's here, he's just so smooth. And just the way yeah. he runs is just so clean. And, and I, sometimes I thought just very graceful, like Griffey. But you're right, that swing, it, it he does kind of have that that trademark left-hander, you know, big, fluid swing, and just mm-hmm. smooth. And, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. That's why I love Sounds like so a segue, much, David. But- I know. Right. But I I just want to like make one quick uh, question before we segue to, to Hedbert. And and you mentioned Joey Weimer there. Yeah. Like you've seen Joey Weimer and 
he deals with baseballs like he hates them. Like he throws them 100 miles an hour. Yeah. He hits them 100 miles an hour, 500 feet away. Like he hates baseballs, it seems like. But you've seen Joey Weimer. You've seen Sal Freelich. I know you missed Garrett Mitchell. Um, but now you've seen Jackson Churio. Do you think Churio is the Brewers' best prospect right now? I don't know. I mean, just because he's so young, I, I just I, I, I want to know – I guess before trying to, you know, put him at the number one spot, like what happens when things aren't going his way? You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and it's probably not looking at it from the right angle and that's probably not the best educated way to look at it, but it's just, I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen him have to go through any struggles yet, which is remarkable. I mean, to, to mm-hmm. think that you could come in at 18 years old and, and not have, you know, any issues to this point, you know, 40 games into your first real professional season. Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing, but um, you know, I, I like to see just what it looks like, you know, as far as when he's truly challenged, because it doesn't look seem like he's challenged all that much yet, which is amazing. And that alone probably warrants that number one spot. But, um, you know, I, I just wonder, what does that mean? Because we know that from Weimer, right? Like we know that Weimer's been challenged. He, he went from low A to, to uh, or I'm sorry, from short season play to us at, in our first year at low A and then went to Wisconsin. That didn't slow him down even in the slightest. He got better somehow. And now he's in double A and it's almost the same thing is true. Sal Freelich, I think is also, I haven't seen his numbers lately in double A, but I know he's had some pretty good games there. I, you know, I think he's a guy too, that will succeed at that higher level. Cause he'll probably see more, um, you know, he'll see pitches around the zone, you know, a little bit more consistently. I think it's what happens when you go up. Uh, so for the good hitters, they, they tend to thrive on that sometimes, but um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just not enough. You know, it's just not enough games, I guess. Um I'm not a big hot take guy, so I don't want to go out there and, and say, you know, this he's he's the future, he's this, he's that, but he's good. He's he's really good. And he's one of the best players I've ever seen. And um I I liked Freelick a lot. I really liked Weimer a lot. I, I think he was just, you know, just amazing with what he did with us. But man, Chorio is fast approaching, fast approaching those those areas if he isn't already there. Yeah, I, I've seen some guys like uh I know Josh Norris hangs around Five County Stadium a lot just to see on, Jackson yeah. Churio play, and and he's been uh, pushing pushing the hype train there. And uh, yeah, he that came. Um, I, I don't know if you would if you would like me to, to say this, but he came up to me. I think it was the Sunday, the first week that Jackson was with us, and he came up to me, and and he was just like, I, 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 I mean, he he's 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 this, he's that, he's got this, he's he's this across the board for me. I mean, he was he was pumped. He was pumped, and it was at that point I was like. Okay, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna slow down a little bit and, and really pay attention to what what I'm seeing because it may not last long. You know, I, I think the plan was probably to keep him here all year, but if the guys if he's gonna hit 360 for the whole season with, in, at low A, then you can't you, you got to you got to see what you can get out of the next level. I would think. Yeah, but, yeah. You don't want it to happen because you love seeing him there, but. <laughs> I mean, and look, like I said, it's been a long time. I mean, the, the Mudcats have not made the playoffs since I've been here. I've only been here since 2015. For our fan base, the Mudcats have not made the playoffs since 2008. So it's been a very long time since we've had a winning team. We get phone calls about it all throughout the offseason, you know, talking about how our attendance would be better if you guys would just win and this and that. And you just, you got to win. And um, a lot of fans weren't happy with how things happened last year. It was as soon as the draft hit, we lost pretty much our entire team. And there were a lot of fans that were really upset about that, surprisingly, um, which I, I get. But at the same time, that's not how the process works, right? Like, yeah. you, you get an influx of new talent, they have to go somewhere. And it happened to be that it was us. But um, so I, for the, for the sake of winning and for the sake of trying to make the playoffs and seeing a championship come back to Carolina, which to our fans is a big deal, um, we'd love to see him stay. And I'd love selfishly, absolutely, to see him play every day. Um, but I've been around long enough to know that the most important thing for him is to get to high A and see what he can do there and just keep going. And, yeah, and but, just, but if you win that uh, first half title, then you're locked into the playoffs anyways, and then they can promote him however they like. So that's, that, that's right. That's yeah, right. And ju- we'll, just we'll, win. And, and then you're fine. Just win these next three more wins. Actually, I just got a text from Victor Estevez about that. Just making sure that um, he's aware. Yeah, Cause you know, it was weird because the, uh, I mean, I know he's aware, but just to make sure he understands like how it's all breaking down, because this is the first time that our league has dealt with the first half and second half champion in Mm -hmm. years, I think. I mean, like I said, I've only been in the Carolina League since 15. So when I was in the Cal League, we had a first half and second half winner. So the whole process made sense then, but it's different now. But um, and but now it's it's to that. But uh, 
So just making sure everybody's on the same page, because I don't think I've done a good job explaining that because it's we've, we've been in the mix all year long, but it wasn't until really like last week where it was like, oh, wait a minute. Like this is this is coming up quick because it's going to end uh, on Thursday. That's the Thursdays this upcoming week against down east, you know, three games into that series that will be the end of the first half. So we'll know within uh, the next few days here. It's, it's going to be fun. Fingers crossed, man. I, I hope you guys can can get back there. So, and one of the other players helping you get back there, as we were mentioning before, Hedbert Perez, uh, who you know, Josh Norris may be driving the Jackson Cheerio hype train. I am driving the Hedbert Perez hype train and have been driving it for a couple of years. And now here we are. the The start to the season was bad. Um, just looking at the numbers, he, he got off to a very slow start. And you know that's that's fine. Like not everyone can start off like Jackson Cheerio did as much as I was hoping for it. But over the last month, Hedbert is hitting 304 with a 961 OPS, five doubles, six homers, 12 of his 24 hits have gone for extra bases. Hedbert is heating up, man. What, what, what have you seen from him? What, what, what do you just, what, what, what's been, what's changed lately with him? Well, first off, I need to write down, you said 304 in the last month. I'm going to do my game notes a little bit right now. Yeah, yeah. I just looked up the stats like last 30 days. It's like, okay. oh, he's hitting 304. Oh, I, I like that. I knew that he was heating up. You know, obviously he won the uh, the League's Player of the Week award a few weeks ago, right before Jackson Chorio mm-hmm. did. So we went, we had back-to-back awards. So I knew that he was he was getting there. He had a huge four-hit game during that that week. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the numbers have definitely improved. Absolutely. No doubt. Um, one thing that's been consistent with him though, has been the power. I mean, that, that hasn't gone away. I mean, when, when he, when he connects to that pull side and gets underneath the ball and, and gets that backspin on it to right, I mean, it's, it's moonshot time. I mean, he, he hits him a, a mile. And, um, one of the things I think he was just a little bit too far out in front for a lot of the first portion of the season, he'd have a lot of balls that he just pulled a little bit too far, you know, to the right side and, he would hit him, you know, 350 with ease, but it was, you know, a foul ball, you know, a few times there. So um, I think he's begun to straighten out some of that. I think it looks like he's slowed down a little bit with his, uh, his um, uh, just the way he unloads and uncorks when he swings, you know, kind of waiting for balls to get a little bit deeper in before really trying to, you know, make contact. Um, I know that he has made some, some adjustments and I think ones that were hard to get used to. Um, I'll, I'll have to ask him about that. Um, I did, I, I interviewed him the same day that I interviewed Jackson. I talked to Hedbert a little bit that day too. I haven't been able to post that yet, but, um, I think we'll, we'll try and redo that interview and, and try and ask him about what those, those changes have been at the plate, you know, just talking to him then, you know, he just said that really just a matter of being patient, you know, staying, staying the course. And he knows that there's going to be ups and downs. That's the way the baseball is. You know, he's got a great head on his shoulders. Like I said, he's very mature. You know, he's, he's 19 years old, one of the youngest players in his league, but he doesn't seem that way. Right. Like he seems like a vet, which is weird because he's really only had the complex league. And then us has been his professional career. Right. Especially the way that things started for him, because he he began in the, uh, you know, in 2020, really in that um, uh, the not the complex, but um, the name of the, the way that they had it set up that season with everybody playing at the uh, the alternate site, the alternate yeah. training site at Wisconsin for the whole year. Um, you know, he was there doing that and then to the complex league and then to us last year at the end of the season and then, and then back again this year. Um, he's, he's, he's a gifted defender. I will say that no doubt, you know, even though those numbers don't jump off on the stat sheet for you, but he's a very gifted defender. He plays a great outfield, takes great routes. He's got a good arm. Um, you know, he, he's, he's very smooth in the way that he covers ground out there. But um, I, I will ask him soon about, you know, what adjustments that he's made and, and, and what specifically has worked. Because like you said, it's clearly beginning to, to click. He had a couple of home runs, uh, game one of the doubleheader this past weekend. Um, they hit four in game one of the doubleheader, three in the second game, seven over the course of the day. I mean, it was pretty impressive. And they're getting hot at the, the right time. And, and when he's hitting it well, you know, they're, they're really, really tough to beat because he, he really fills out the middle of that lineup, you know, with, when he's swinging it well for – for Victor Estevez and, and, and setting things up every night with that lineup every day. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry. Uh, just with the adjustments that he made, was that something he was kind of able to figure out on his own or uh, was there a certain coach with the Mudcats who kind of noticed something and was like, Hey, you know, let's maybe approach things this way. Yeah. I, you know, actually I saw a tweet from the Brewers uh, minor league hitting coordinator, which is what clued me into the fact that he has made some adjustments is that that, that came from that. Um, Eric Tyson, who's the assistant minor league hitting coordinator, he, he's been in town a couple of times this season. He was our hitting coach last year. 
Um, I, I think that's where some of that direct instruction came from and working with Hedbert was, was maybe from, from that sense. Um, I know that Ken Joyce, you know, our hitting coach this season, his approach has always just been Hedbert's going to get it right. Right. Like he's, he's going to find it. It's just a matter of time. He's too gifted not to. Um, but I, I think a lot of the adjustments have also come from him too. So, um, I'll be honest, you know, I'm, I'm not traveling with the team this season. So it's been a little bit tougher to find like those one-on-one -on -one moments to really dive in and say, Hey, like, Hey, what's going on. But, you know, I'm trying my best to do what I can just work in the home games, but when they come back and uh, if I do get a chance to go to Kinston being that we may clinch, um, that's still a possibility in the next couple of days, um, try and talk to them and, and find out, you know, where it came from, um, from what I've seen though. And, and, and I think it just talking to Victor Estevez too. I think a lot of that's coming from the complex them looking at the numbers, you know, them looking at the data and then coming back with a game plan for, for all of the guys, you know, Hedbert and, and, and whoever else on the team and, and making the, the necessary adjustments in it for, you know, I, I think that's probably true for Jefferson Carroll. I think it's true for Eduardo Garcia. I think a little bit of what Jeremy Vargas has done lately is some of that's coming from there too. So um, a lot of those guys are beginning to, to really find um, some success again, just like they did at the very beginning of the year they're finding it even more so now. And part of that, I think, is also Jackson Shorey, just because he's he is getting on base, which is forcing pitchers to, you know, work a little bit harder or have to work around him, which, you know, maybe that we weren't seeing that early on. Uh, so I think they're all collectively seeing better results, you know, just with Jackson being with the team. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty certain that our offense went from lower half of the league to suddenly, and I guess it makes sense with all the numbers that Jackson's putting up, but to the, the top half of the league in hitting since the beginning of May. And a lot of that obviously is just Jackson's numbers alone, but it's also the impact that he has on the lineup and everybody getting better because of his presence. So that, that part's been cool too. Hitting is contagious. You know, one guy gets going like that and, and there goes everyone else. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned there, uh, Brenton Del Cairo, the, the Brewers minor league yes. hitting coordinator tweeting the other day after a tough start to the season, Hedbert courageously made some adjustments and starting to see some awesome results pumped for him and his success so, yeah, like they, there had to be like there were some kinds of adjustments there. And, you know, if it took, um, you know, I'm not sure how big they were. You know, obviously we'll, we'll have to, you know, find out a bit later as if you're able to, to dig into that one on one. But, yeah, making adjustments like that's really kind of part of it. You know, being a, a young player coming up through the system, like, you know, you have all this coming in. Pitchers can see it, they adjust to it, uh, mm -hmm. and then they start getting you out. You have to adjust back. It's, you know, we see this all the time in the big leagues, you know, really kind of going from level to level, you know, it's, it's adjustment, counter adjustment going back and forth. And, you know, Hedbert, you know, like they kind of had a, an adjustment to him. He had to make a counter adjustment and he's, he, he appears to have done so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, Weimer went through the same thing last year. You know, he, it, it wasn't maybe as slow a start as what we saw at a Hedbert this season with what Weimer did last year, but it, it took a month or so, maybe a month and a half before things really clicked. And then when they did, I mean, it was, you know, he became Joey Weimer and that's, you know, who we all know now, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, but I mean, that, that is how it goes. And it's true for, for any one of these guys, you know, it's, it's an adjustment to fix something that maybe isn't working. Um, maybe it's an adjustment to catch up to how teams are pitching you. Maybe it's an adjustment to get you through just how long the season is. You know, one of the things that I'm a little bit, you know, just curious to see how it plays out is to see how these guys handle the long season, because this, this is their first experience with it. And it was true last year as well. Um, some of those guys who had been in short season play, so they at least it had, a half of a season, you know, but that's still every day out there playing sort of uh, routine and, um, you know, be interesting to see how some of these guys at 18, 19 years old handle the day in and day out. I, I know that they were used to playing every day in the Dominican and in the complex league, but to be able to handle that and, and get through it is going to be interesting to see, you know, how it plays out this season. But um, Hedbert's the guy that I, I don't think anyone is truly worried about in that sense, because he's a guy that will, has the the type of mindset to to take those those tweaks and apply them, but then also to understand where they're coming from. And he's got a great support staff. He talks to his dad and his brother. His dad's, um, I'm sorry, his brother is playing in, in Modesto, I think, still in the California League. So they're at the same, at the same level right now. But um, he talks to him daily. And obviously his, his dad is a legend in Venezuela, um, who actually coached, I found out, a few of the Mudcats growing up. His, his dad was, uh, um, I think, uh, uh, one of the, one of Venezuela's national teams coaches for like the 13U, maybe, maybe a little bit older, but um, Buddy Bailey, who was the manager of the Pelicans, managed Robert Perez years ago when Robert Perez was in AAA. 
and Buddy was a manager there. And then he said that he told me his Buddy's really popular in Venezuela. He's a, a, a Hall of Fame manager there, just like he is in the minors here. But he said that uh, Robert uh, Hebert's dad coaches a lot of the youth teams. And then I asked Hebert about it, and he said, yeah, he said that there were a couple of guys in our clubhouse his dad actually coached at one point, including, I think, Jose Cibrian, um, our, our catcher. So I thought that was pretty cool. But um, so a lot, I mean, these guys are they're pretty tight. You know, I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's an interesting group, you know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of cool stories in there. Yeah, it's, it's a nice pipeline of a talent to have coming from a, from Venezuela and former brewer Robert Perez, uh, by the way, yeah. had a had a small stint. And I think like what, 2001, 2002, something like that yeah, um, right. with the Brewers. So, yeah, great to great to see there. And, yeah, you got a whole bunch of kids here from Venezuela, uh, Jefferson Cuero, uh, Eduardo Garcia. These guys are also like, you know, top 10 ish prospects. Uh, in the Brewer system, and you mentioned Quero a bunch already. I mean, the the defensive skills that he has as a catcher um, is is very advanced, especially for his age. And mm-hmm. then combine that with his hitting ability. I mean, that's I, I hate to say it, Matt, but he may be over. I think he's overtaken Mario Feliciano as uh, the Brewers' top catching prospect. Yeah, um, and I, I loved Mario. I mean, he was star. He was the league MVP when he was here in 2019. You know, he was great even when he was here briefly in 2018. Fantastic, fantastic hitter. I mean, to me, Caro is the perfect blend of Mario Feliciano and Peyton Henry. Like, if you can combine those two catchers into one, he is that guy. He's he's got Peyton's ability behind the plate with his ball blocking skills and his. Uh, his ability to throw out base runners is remarkable. I mean, we, the Mudcats last season allowed 299 stolen bases for the year. That is, as far as I can tell, a record. I, I don't know if it's the, the most stolen bases ever given up in all the baseball history, but I think it's pretty close in all honesty. I can't find anybody that's had anything close to that since at least 05 and certainly beyond that. But um, this season, Caro and Cibrian, as they've caught all but like three innings this season. Uh, Luis Silva's been out there for just a, a brief amount of time. Um, they're leading this league in caught steel efficiency, and I think they're leading the minors in most caught steals to this point too. So drastic, drastic change. And a lot of that is Seabrion is being out there two out of three times, you know, and then Seabrion will catch the third day and then it's back to Carroll for those next two. But um, again, it, it he's he's a fantastic defender. He's fantastic with the way he throws. Um, he's really great about his exchange. It's like watching a shortstop back there behind the plate, but the way that he's able to get rid of a ball after receiving it, just this fluid motion from the catch to the, the, the exchange and then the throw, uh, just so smooth. And then his ability at the plate, I mean, his numbers may not be, you know, obviously where even Eduardo Garcia's numbers are to this point or Jackson Chorio or maybe a Hedbert Perez, but they will be. And, you know, he's, he is full throttle at all times in, in a lot of the ways that Weimer was with the hard swings and crushing baseballs. He's that guy. I think is just maybe the strength hasn't fully tapped in yet, but you give it another year of him swinging like that and playing the way that he does. And he's going to begin to hit balls, you know, a long, long way. I think it's just a matter of that, that strength that, that comes with just aging a little bit that that comes naturally. So um, and on that note, the fact that J- Jackson Chorio hits balls the way that he does his 18 is just again, it just blows you away. Sorry, it's just it's just thinking about that. And it's it, mind boggling. It made. is if, if, if it's a if it's if it's a valid point to say that you know at 18 years old you shouldn't be hitting balls 350 feet with ease, 300 375 with feet with ease it, with a wood bat, then Jackson Chorio again, it just you know, yeah, anyway. But Carol, Carol's Carol's fun. I mean, and he's he's a really good guy, really, really mature um just great head on his shoulders you know the team's era is is not significantly better but better with him back there so i think just that alone would tell you that he's 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 got a good idea what he's doing and he's doing a great job in leading the staff yeah i mean and then you mentioned uh eduardo garcia as well um he's got eight home runs uh so sitting just behind perez um batting close to 300 um so looking very solid he got that real quick taste of um, affiliated ball at the very end of last year, but now is, you know, kind of getting a full season. Did you see enough out of him last year to see where he's maybe just slightly developed from year to year at all? Um, and uh, he's then, lot, he's, yeah, he's, he's a lot stronger, a lot stronger this year, no doubt. Um, also, I think he's, he's found a little bit more lift in his swing than he had last year. Most of what he did with us last season was find, uh, you know, the five, six hole, 
crush one down the line, low line drives that would find holes and get through. Um, he hit it really well, though. I mean, he, he was really impressive, you know, late last season. He looked really good. And he's he, he started this season in that same realm. He was leading off a lot, batting second a lot, he was hitting the ball really well. That was purely just to make sure that he got the at-bats that he needed. You know, it wasn't necessarily he projects as a leadoff hitter. It was more of this is how he's going to get, you know, the maximum number of bats that he needs um, to show off what he can do. He's gone down a little bit in the lineup since, but, um, you know, that's Jackson Chorio was here. So he needs those those at-bats too, right, first and second in the lineup. Um, Eduardo's also a lot faster than, than I remember him being last season or maybe just has had more opportunities to show how fast he is. He really moves well. Um, he's beat out a lot of infield hits. Um, he's gone from first to second. A lot of times where, you know, you might think it would be just a, a clean single and be done with it turns into a hustle double, that kind of thing. Or, um, but it, it just did. He's did the power is improved. Um, I, I, I would guess that the swing and miss numbers are probably the same as they were last year. Um, but, um, definitely a more mature hitter, a stronger hitter. Um, really impressive. I, I, I really like his, his swing. Um, I, I think he's, He's going to be, you know, one of those guys, you know, you mentioned earlier how with the Brewers system, with the outfielders, it's stacked. Well, it's stacked at shortstop, too. There are a lot of guys, um, you know, starting with Bryce Terang, who we had briefly in 19 or for most of the second half, I guess, of, of 19. Um, and obviously, we all know what he can do. And he's showing what he can do even more so in AAA now than he probably has at any other point, you know, in his, his journey through the minors. Um, you know, but Freddie Zamora was here last year. I thought he was remarkable, great leader. Um, I know he's dealt with some bad injuries this season and hopefully he gets back out there soon. Um, but uh, Eduardo is, is got all the, the skills. I think that those guys have, it's just a matter of, you know, getting more and more reps, getting out there more and more. Um, he's got a great arm, um, really covers a lot of ground at shortstop. Um, he's had a few throwing errors, but just balls that sailed on him. You know, that was it. Um, it, it happens, you know, especially these guys, I think as young as they are, it, it happens sometimes it happens in bunches. It's a little bit contagious, where, like you said, hitting is contagious. I think some of the misplays we've had this season have been contagious too. It's kind of deflating maybe to see a guy, you know, boot a ball and then it turns into the next play, it turns into another error and then another error. We've had a couple of the games where it's, it's happened like that and it's, it's been tough to watch, but they've done a good job of bouncing back and even um, coming back in some of those games where they put themselves into an early hole because of some misplays. But then again, the maturity of this group and going out there and fighting every day has been really impressive in, in overcoming those, those mistakes. Yeah, the, I mean, it's really been been an impressive group. And there's another one of these uh, young guys in there as well that, that I want to talk about. Hendry Mendez. He's been a bit of a slump lately. Um, but <laughs> overall, I mean, still, you know, pretty impressive prospect. And, you know, when I'm just kind of looking at his stats here, one of the things that sticks out to me is the strikeout to walk ratio. He's got 39 walks and 41 strikeouts um, and about 180 at bats. So he's walking about as much as he strikes out and he's not really even striking out too much overall. So even though the batting average numbers haven't been there, that being able to draw walks like that and not strike out that much, that is a, a good sign going forward for him. But what, what have you seen from Mendez this season? Yeah, really good play discipline. I mean, he, he's got a great eye, you know, and, and I, I even I apologize to Hedbert Perez. I hate to always say you guys are so young. It's it's this young group <laughs> and all this because it's, you know, I mean, at some point it gets old. Right. But to be to be that old and to be at this point in his career, to be that far advanced in the way that he sees the, the strike zone is really impressive. Um, he's also a guy that just as far as the eye, eyeball test goes, you know, you look at a guy and you think, oh, like he's, he's going to be a guy, right? Like you can just tell by watching the way that he swings, the way that he goes about his business, the way that he goes about playing the game and the way that he plays it. You just know that eventually it's, it's all going to come together. And he's one of those guys that you just look at just the the basics of it, the way that he, he handles the bat at the plate. He doesn't overswing much. He always seems to put the ball in play. He makes great contact. He, again, he sees the zone extremely well. He hits the other field extremely well. Um, he's a guy that once I think he begins to find a groove and gets hot again, those numbers will, will will obviously lift up and then they'll, they'll just kind of stay, you know, like they did. He'll, he'll hit that, those, those benchmarks. I'm sure that they like to see out of him as soon as he gets hot and, and really settles in. I think Hedbert Perez is probably going to be the same way too, that despite a slow start, once he gets going, like he is now, these numbers will begin to level off. And then, you know, he'll be that 250, 260 hitter with that 900 OPS or whatever it might be for, you know, the, the rest of the way. And I think Mendez is going to be in that same realm where athletically he, he checks all the boxes, you know, he's, he's, he's a fun prospect. 
Um, he, he hit a walk-off grand slam for us, which is one of the more amazing nights I've ever seen at that ballpark that they were down four with two outs in the ninth inning. And all of a sudden it was like a base hit, a misplay by, you know, the, um, I think it was Fayetteville maybe was in town. I'll have to go back. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Lynchburg. Um, but, uh, you know, one misplay here, one clutch hit here. And then all of a sudden it's bases loaded two outs might've been a two strike count. And he goes oppo with a line drive over the left field wall to win it on a grand slam. I mean, the, the dugout just lost their minds and he got to the plate and they're like ripping his Jersey off him. And there's, you know, the coolers going all over the place. And it was, we had people posting on Facebook. It was like a scene out of a movie. I'll never forget it. You know, it's like, it was like when Weimer hit the light tower, we think he hit the light tower last year on that walk off. Oh yeah. Um, same thing. You know? He totally but, hit uh, it. Totally. I mean, it looked like he hit it. There was definitely something that fell from the light tower when the ball got close to the light. So we're thinking, you know, it hit the light dust fell off or something. I don't know. But yeah, that, that night was fun. I, I saw Weimers. I got that call, right? Mendez. I missed, I couldn't tell if it got out or not. It still kills me every time I think about it. Cause I, I thought oh. it was off the wall, but that's all right. But um, he, uh, he's, he's fun. And, that night in particular, I think he he really showed that he's going to be a guy that, you know, he's he's going to show up when it matters most. You know, just a matter of getting out there more and more and, and letting those numbers catch up to to his ability. Um, one guy I want to make sure we give uh, due to because I feel like he's been fairly consistent this year. Uh, Zach Robbie, uh, eighth round pick last year. Um, not a power guy, but getting on base forty percent of the time. He's almost right at four hundred. Um, Minnesota kid as well. So, you know, one of those guys straight out of the Midwest, is he a guy we could see be one of those sneaky, you know what, he just gets on base, um, and could be helpful in the organization here. Yeah. I would never, would never put anything past, you know, Zach Robbie would never want to doubt him. I think he's dealt with that a lot in his life, you know, and hearing interviews with him and talking to him a little bit, you know, he's always been undersized, you know, no matter where he's played, even in college, you know, playing at his, his father's alma mater there at Minnesota, his dad's a legend there. Um, you know, uh, it, it, he's always been kind of like a chip on his shoulder kind of guy. You know, a lot of people told him, I think growing up, you're not going to be able to play baseball. You're not, you're not big enough. You're not going to be this. You're not going to be that. Um, but he goes out there and just produces. And, and I think, it, you know, is is beyond the, the ability to get on base, which has been remarkable. Um, and his ability to, to, to really spray the ball well to the, to the other side of the field. You know, I think he's among the league leaders and hitting it to the right side and, and to right center, especially that, that percentage, um, He's, he's a great leader and he's in it. He's in a, a weird spot because he is, he's the only American born player that we have on our position player roster right now. So when he's out there, you know, he's playing with most of the guys in the field do not speak English when he's out there. Right. You know, there are a handful Hedbert Perez, Jefferson Carroll's English is pretty good. So as far as communicating goes there, it's, it's pretty solid. Um, but Chorio, his English is not great. Um, Henry Mendez, you know, same thing for him. Eduardo Garcia, I think is, is, beginning to pick up more and more. Um, so Robbie's in, 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 a, in a tough spot sometimes, I think, as far as communication goes. But he's said that, if anything, he's learning Spanish faster than he ever thought he could. He's enjoying that. And he said that as far as communication goes, he's not seeing any issues with it. You might look at it like I am from the outside saying, well, it must be hard. But he'll, he'll say and he'll tell you that it's not. And he's having a blast doing it. He is definitely a leader on this team. And the guys love him. I mean, when he gets... Uh, a, a double he had a walk-off I think at the first homestand of the season and uh, I mean the, the team like like they did with Hendrick Mendez I mean they just lost it right just all kinds of fun but he's a guy that anytime he does anything you know they're they're all about it and they're excited for him and, and they're happy for him and um it, it, it's a great group you know they they really enjoy playing together you know and, and he's he's uh he's he's a great addition to that I think he adds a little bit of that veteran kind of experience even though he's only in his second year it's his first year in full season ball now or first full season I should say after being drafted last year so um he's also very young you know he might be 23 24 but he's he's very young you know playing wise compared to these guys they're all about the same but uh he is definitely a leader and he's he's been fun to watch and again I just like Gabe Holt I, I wouldn't ever say that, you know, I would, I would not expect them to, to make it at some point. I think with the way those guys, like the drive that they have and the, and the push to succeed and the desire to win, I, I could see them going far. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned that kind of, you know, like weird stock communication wise being the only um, like native English speaker among the position player group. I mean, the reverse is, you know, generally true for a lot of these uh, international guys, you know, they, they come to the States 
having only really known Spanish and everyone else around them, you know, only really speaks English. So they have that same kind of communication barrier. Right. Now it's just, it's just flipped. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, I, I, I haven't encountered this many um, Latin American players, I guess, in, in with one team all at once. Um, certainly native Spanish speakers all on one team all at once. Usually it's maybe a 50, 50 mix, or, you know, maybe it's a, you know, certainly not the entire team. Right. I mean, and that's really what it is. And <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, and, it, and I, I think that there is, there is some really cool things we, we can do with that as far as, you know, the, the Copa de la Diversión um, program that minor league baseball put in place and, and us having the Pescados de Carolina moniker that we play as every once in a while, or once every other week, every other Thursday, um, I think there's some really cool things we can do with that. And, and I think for the second half of the season, I think we're going to try and, and see what we can do as far as interacting with, you know, maybe the, the, the local Latinx fan base a little bit more in our area and, and engaging them in that sense. But then also just celebrating the fact that, you know, this is where some of the best baseball players in the country, or excuse me, in, in, in the world come from, are from Venezuela and from the Dominican. And we happen to have a lot of those really talented ball players, And I think that's something to celebrate. And uh, I look forward to seeing how we can accomplish that, you know, as, as the season goes on. It, it's, it's been a fun group. Um, they, they, they are, they're exciting. They're, they're young, but man, it's, uh, it, it's a winning team. I mean, it, and they're in first for a reason it's because they, they play well together. Um, and the talent just jumps off the pages, you know, and it's, you can see that and watch them play every day. Yeah. And you mentioned those, you know, the, the winning, um players and you know just kind of successful players from uh the Dominican Republic in Venezuela one of the most successful ones is Willie Adamas uh and he came down to Carolina a couple weeks ago on a rehab assignment and I saw that and I thought it was going to be absolutely incredible because I mean Willie Adamas uh he's also very fun uh very energetic um but also mature and professional and knows how to go about his business and professional baseball um and he's someone that you know like he, like, like just the idea, I think of him going down to Carolina, seeing those guys, uh, meeting those guys, being able to talk with them about being a professional, going about professional baseball and uh, things like that. That uh, was something that really kind of stuck out to me. And I felt like he was uh, really going to be a great mentor for those guys, being able to get to know them, uh, talk with them and, and just kind of communicate with them in a way that he really hasn't been able to before i mean you know in spring training the minor league guys weren't really up there they didn't really interact that much um so they couldn't really talk to him but if you want a mentor or, or someone to look up to in professional baseball for a lot of these international guys or just in general willie adamas is a great guy to to look up to and he came down there a couple of weeks ago what was that like oh it was awesome it was awesome um there's actually a picture and you know that, that will speak better to, to anything that I could possibly say, probably, but there's a picture of him in the dugout and he's on the front step and he's, he's in mid conversation. What he's talking about, I have no idea, but every player in the dugout is just keyed in on whatever that Willie's talking about at that moment. And you could tell that all of them are just waiting on every word that he says, obviously learning, you know, I mean, it just, uh, it, it was, it's one of those photos, I think that just, you know, it, it, it captures the moment, but also tells you exactly what you would assume would happen right with him there is that these young players would look up to him and they're literally, cause they're sitting down and he's standing up, they're literally looking up, but um, you know, that uh, they're, they're looking for him for leadership and that's what they got out of him. Um, I know that Jackson Jorio especially got a chance to talk to him a little bit, um, you know, about, about the game and about the way to go about things on a day-to-day basis. He said that he learned a lot just in that, that one day that Willie was here. You know, we, we found out the Saturday before a Sunday game that he was going to be in town. Um, it was the first real rehab that, that we've had since, you know, the Brewers have purchased a team and have been our parent club. We've had a couple of guys here and there, but that's the first real true major league rehab assignment, right? Where it's an active Brewers player, one that is certainly a big part of the plan going forward, right? It just happened to be that it worked out great with, he could play with us for one day and then stay in the triangle and then play against the Durham Bulls while playing with the Nashville Sounds beginning the next day on that Monday. I think he had that Monday off, but then he played on Tuesday and I want to say Wednesday, maybe Thursday before going back up. But um, it was, it was a blast. Our fans loved it. 
Um, we, we, we happen to have, uh, had just received bobbleheads from Milwaukee of Willie Adonis, um, <laughs> that they sent down to us. We got them like the Friday before all that happened. It just coincidentally, he was there that weekend. So we were able to, to get those Give into some away. hands. Of, it, yeah, exactly. We, yeah, I mean, it was only a team. Let's get on it. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Well, with, with the way our office is working, that's, that's me. So that was ah, great. Yeah. Um, scramble. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but, uh, no, I shouldn't say that it was, it was more than just that, but, um, but no, we, we, we did, we, we had like a hundred that we had available. We were able to give out to a hundred different families as they came into the ballpark. Um, so it was, uh, it was really cool. It was a great experience. He was really great. He, um, I caught him just as he was about to leave, just did a quick interview, just asking about his experience there. He said that he, he, uh, he really enjoyed playing with the young guys. He said it, it just, it, it kind of brings you back a little bit, makes you appreciate what you have a little bit more. You know, it's something that reminds you of what it was like to play at that age and certainly at that level at, at low A and get an idea of, you know, you're, you're just out there just to have fun. And he said that that was the most important thing for him was just to go out there and have fun and play with the guys, um, you know, and, and, and get a chance to, to, to visit with them a little bit. And, um, you know, they, they fed off it, no doubt. They, he had a, a go-ahead home run in that game, and then from there, it just everything just you know they they took off and, and won that ball game. But yeah, he came up his second at bat, second to three at bats that day, hit an opposite field home run. That was pretty cool. He said he didn't expect that. He, he didn't think that he'd have anything like that happen, but he said he was he was certainly happy that it did. And I think it, it really helped show that he was closer to being ready than than he thought, and, and certainly maybe that um, everybody thought to that point. So it was it was an awesome weekend. It was it was a great way to finish what was a great home stand. We've had some really cool moments this year, and, and and that was definitely one of them. I hit that oppo home run, be like, and that's how you do it, boys. <laughs> that's, that's right. How we go. I'm that's curious. Right. Do you know what the post game spread was? Because I'm assuming it was amazing when when uh, um, Willie was there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, it was funny. I was talking about that during the game because that is the rule, right? You know, major mm-hmm. leaguer comes to the ballpark, they buy the post game spread, but. In all honesty, that that rule is kind of antiquated to this point because the post game spread that the guys get now normally, um, maybe it's it's unique because we're owned by the Brewers. But what they normally get is always really good, really really good food. So I was surprised that he bought it. To be totally honest, because what they would have normally had on a Sunday would have been equally as good as anything else that he would have bought. Um, the original plan, I think, was for him to buy uh, steaks from a local steakhouse. Um, but but because of the 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 larger uh, Latin American influence that we had in our in our clubhouse, they decided to go to um, it wasn't a Brazilian steakhouse, but it was something along those lines where it was. I don't recall the specific restaurant. It was fairly close to our ballpark, I think, in in Nightdale where I live. But um, I, I think it was one of the newer. Um, trying to think of the, the the right word, but it was it was a. a a Latin American influenced uh, restaurant with a higher end uh, steak menu, if you will. And I think that's what it was. Solid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to make sure we talk about the offense so much on this team. That's so easy to do, but I want to make sure we at least touch on the pitching um, somewhat before we let you go. Um, one of the guys you had gotten not too long ago, Steven Cruz um, had had a big reputation was exciting to see him come to affiliated ball um, had one rough start kind of early among those last few, but has really settled in. Um, I believe I looked at was 30 strikeouts to just nine walks. So looks like he's doing a pretty good job um, of dominating there. What have you seen out of him since he's come over? Yeah, his debut was really impressive. Uh, he was on the road in Fayetteville, struck out eight and in three innings. I think it was, it was just untouchable, you know, great breaking stuff. Um Fastball has been low to mid nineties, I think mostly like 92, 93, 94. Um, but um, really good swing and miss stuff. It, the only real bad outing that he's had was the game against Myrtle beach where he gave up five home runs in, in one game. Um, I think it was Myrtle. If, if not, it was um, Canapolis. I'm sorry. Canapolis yep. was a doubleheader against Canapolis gave up five home runs in one game, but Stayed out there, um, ate up some innings, you know, which was good to see. Didn't have to rely too much on the bullpen and a doubleheader, which was nice. Um, so, you know, very mature, I think, for his age. Um, he's a strike thrower. And I talked to Victor Estevez right after that outing, actually. And he said that, you know, just that day, just the stuff wasn't moving the way that it's supposed to for him. You know, everything just kind of flattened out. Breaking stuff just wasn't as good as it normally is. But he's a guy he was like, I don't worry about him because I know that, you know, he's – with his stuff as good as it is, he's going to always have, you know, good results. It's just a matter of, you know, whether or not that shows up, I guess. And I guess that's true for any pitcher, but for him in particular, um, 
his his swing and miss stuff is is legit, right? So um, just happened to be that day. It just it was flat, and and that was it. But that's really the only bad outing really that he's had. He had not given up a home run at all. I, I know that he only had the one year in the Dominican, but still had not given up a home run in a lot of innings, you know, in his first year. And then suddenly five in one game was kind of shocking to see. But um, he uh, he bounced back nicely. He had a really good one uh, yesterday, got the win um, in the finale in uh, in Columbia. So two wins now for him this season. Um, we haven't had a lot of guys, you know, go deep enough into games this year, I think, because of the ages just because of the way that the, it's set up with the tandem roles, you know, not many of the starters have not been able to go through five complete, but he did and threw well. So that was good to see. Um, but uh, really, really good stuff. And I was excited, you know, when I found out that he was coming just because I, I saw the numbers too, and that he put up in the Dominican, I mean, his, his strikeout numbers there were, were unreal, you know, and it was, I knew it was going to be fun to watch and he's lived up to the hype, certainly no doubt. Yeah, it's been uh, – I've been very excited to see Steven Cruz. And ever, ever since looking at those numbers as well, yeah, in the Dominican, I mean, it was just like, come on, put the student in Carolina. Let's go. Like, yeah. what are we waiting on? Um, yeah, yeah it's been fun. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly been uh, fun to see him up there and, you know, good good pitching prospect to look at down there as well, combined with a lot of hitting prospects that we've talked about as well. Is there anyone on this team that we haven't talked about yet on this podcast that you feel like, you know, that has really kind of popped out to you or that we should be talking about a little bit more? Yeah. Um, the two Carloses just talking on the pitching side of things. Carlos Rodriguez has been really good. You know, he's a guy who's in his first year. He didn't pitch at all last year. Um, he's also a guy that, you know, grew up um, in the Dominican then came over to go to school stateside at the JUCO and then got drafted. Um, he's been really good. He was the co minor league pitcher of the month in May for the Brewers. Um, kind of sneaky too, because the strikeout numbers weren't the kind that would immediately grab your attention, right? It's been pretty much everything else, not walking guys, not giving up hits, eating up innings, throwing a lot of strikes. Um, so it may not be the, the eye popping numbers that, that really stand out, but it's everything else that he, that he does has been really, really good. And, um, I'm excited to see him continue to develop because he's he's a guy that just goes out and just grinds, you know, and gives you good outings and and good innings. Um, he's a guy who's been in a, in a tandem role for pretty much most of the season. So start once, pitch and relief the next. I think he's by himself now. I think he's kind of graduated, I guess, maybe if that's the way to look at it, and is starting on his own. So be exciting to see him eat up some more innings maybe that way. Um, and then also get a chance to start more consistently. Um, and then also Carlos Morales. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been in the system now for a little while. He was originally drafted in 2017, went to school in SoCal. Um, his stuff has been, I mean, nasty. He's got a, a, a curveball and changeup combo that is disgusting. I mean, it's filthy. Um, I think he could be a lot of fun. And I think there's a slight chance that he may move into the starting rotation at some point. I, I think that might be a little bit later this season, if not maybe early in the second half. But um, he – the stuff that he has shown pitching in relief this season, especially early on as it would, would blew me away. Um, but it also, I think really opened some eyes in the system too. I think everybody has been shocked, not shocked, but genuinely surprised at how good his swing and miss stuff has been. So that's a guy, I think that, you know, very much under the radar, no doubt, definitely a guy to look at watching, uh, you know, going forward. Um, I think Alexander Corniel is going to put up some good numbers too. You know, he's a guy that, um, when he's, when he's right. And when he's throwing strikes and when he's showing confidence on the mound, he is very good. Um, things have kind of snowballed on snowballed on him a little bit from time to time. So, but I think as far as, you know, pitching guys go or, or starters and just the pitching staff in general, uh, those three, you know, certainly to, to keep an eye on going forward. Um, Brandon Jordan too, because he's going to, he's moving to the bullpen. You know, he was starting at the beginning of the season for us and was leading the league and average against, I think for a little while there he was eating up some innings and throwing well, but, uh, they see him in in relief. I think it, it's going to be interesting to see how he embraces that role and what he does with it. Um, but he'll be moving forward. It looks like solely in the bullpen, and, and and that could be good for him. You know, he he might be a guy like a Peter Strasleski or um, a TJ Shook, maybe kind of under the radar and really climb quickly. So exciting to see what he does there. Um, on the position player side, I'm excited to see what happens with Alvarez Ferrer when he comes back because he is a just phenomenal athlete. And his uh, his air totals were 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 rough. I mean, he, I think he still leads third baseman in the minors in, in most throwing airs, and he hasn't played in a while now. You know, I mean, it was it was pretty brutal there for a while. But 
he was dealing with some small injuries. Um, he's in, he's back in Arizona now as he tries to recuperate and come back. Um, but man, he, he is phenomenal athlete and he, he could be something special if he could just find that, that consistency and just find something to build off of. So excited to see him come back and, and, and play well. Um, and Jeremy Vargas, you know, I, I know he's, he's a prospect, he's in the top 30, but um, he, he hasn't really gotten going, got, got going yet with us really, but he's, he's getting there, I think. And he hit a bomb on Saturday in Columbia. That was, it was funny. Uh, they were, it was Negro leagues weekend there in Columbia and Josh Gibson's great grandson, Sean was on the broadcast talking as Jeremy Vargas. And I think Jefferson Carroll hit home runs in that inning. And, uh, he, he was blown away. You know, they were, they were talking about, you know, it's fitting that, you know, Josh Gibson's uh, family is on the broadcast right now as these guys are hitting homers because it was seven in one day across that doubleheader for the Mudcats. But um, but Vargas hit one that was really impressive. And um, he's he's got a he's just the strength that he has is remarkable. He really lets balls get deep into his swing, almost to his back leg sometimes. And that's his approach. And talking to Ken Joyce, our hitting coach, is that he likes to see the ball as deep as possible before then taking that that cut. But um, I, I think that's a it's an interesting approach to uh to the game at that early of an age and i think it really shows the strength that he has so as he begins to maybe identify pitches a little bit faster or sooner and finds that sweet spot you know kind of in the middle you're going to really see him tee off on some baseballs and that could be fun so that's another guy that i'm excited to see what the second half has in store for him yeah it's a it's a fun group down there in carolina for sure and uh you get a front row seat essentially to all of it all season long greg young broadcaster for the Carolina Mudcats. Thanks so much, man, for coming back on the pod and uh, talking with us about uh, some of our favorite prospects down on the Brewers farm. Yeah, guys. Thank you. Anytime. Really appreciate it. And uh, congrats in advance on 100. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. That'll do it for us uh, on this episode of the Cold Brew Pod. Be sure to follow Greg on Twitter at uh, Greg Young Jr. Follow me at DGASP24. Follow Matt at MKMAD13. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.